Hello, and welcome to the Babbler's Guild. It is episode four. How have we made it to episode four already? It's absolutely crazy. I have no idea. Um, I think, you know, we didn't know how many episodes we were going to do, but I think we'll be doing considerably more than four going forwards, although I think uh, episode episode Percy or Percyetta, so that we're not wow. too male-dominated with the names. Uh, Percyetta? I'm, I'm not sure Percyetta is a real name, but we're going to go with it for this episode. So welcome be. to episode Percyetta of the Babblers Guild. Fantastic. There we go. How have you been? How has your week been? Um, it's been good. It's been tiring. I'm almost at half term, so I get a week off soon. So I'm going to sleep for that entire week and play a lot of the PlayStation. Um, and it's going to be a good time. How about yourself? Yeah, my week has been fantastic, really. Uh, not too much new going on. I've been enjoying the various media out there. I've got a couple of new games that I've been playing. Um, Very nice. I've, I've been obviously watching the Book of Boba Fett, which we will, I'm sure, talk about in due course. Uh, so yeah, I can't complain about my week. It's been yeah, it's been all right, I suppose. Just just glad to be doing another podcast. Yeah, I know I, it's crazy. Like we've been doing it a month now. Like, it's the fourth episode. It marks a month, which is absolute madness. Cause it seems to have flown by doing all these four. Because it doesn't seem like we started it mid January, but we must have done. It feels like it was only like a week ago. Would it be three weeks? I'm just thinking. If this is episode four, we'd have done episode two after one week, wouldn't we? If that makes sense, so we'd, we've uh, done episode one on, ze- on zero weeks, day zero, and then after one week we've done two. After two weeks we've done three, and then this four will be week three. I'm gonna say yes. I'm not sure. I don't trust my maths there. <laughs> I, I don't know whether to trust your maths either. Um, how I good at maths are you? Uh, about seven. Right, well, I'm only about four, so I think you're better than me. Now, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get straight into it. We're going to kick it off. Now, a couple of trailers came out yesterday on the most romantic day of the year, which is obviously Valentine's Day. Now, it's a very romantic day. Obviously, you've got to do that angelic noise for the most romantic day of the year. Beautiful. That was a beautiful noise. Now, Thank you. I sent... <laughs> no problem. I sent you a trailer. For the brand new Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness film, did you get a chance to listen and watch? Not even listen. I just did. Watch it. That was the best Valentine's Day present. So thank you for sending that through. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did. I gave that a watch, and uh, I was really excited for it. I remember seeing the trailer for it first when I went to see No Way Home, Spider Man in the cinema, and I thought, "Wow, hey, that looks that looks pretty good. Um, I really want to go see that." So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it coming out. The theory of the multiverse and, and how they're bringing that into the MCU, I'm really excited to see how that all pans out. And there were a lot of little Easter eggs in the trailer, weren't there? Yes, there was. Now, with like the multiverse and stuff, it's strange because there's so many factors all happening at once. Because I remember that's what you're saying, you weren't, you haven't watched the Loki series. Now, in, in the Loki series... That's true, yeah. All they do, yes, exactly. So now all these series sort of connect. Now, something happens within the Loki series which sort of shatters all of the realities and makes all the possibilities happen. And then obviously in um, Spider-Man, everything basically just gets brought into one world. So it's all the <laughs> possibilities are all coming into one finally, which is great. But like you said, there's a lot of Easter eggs in the poster that they release, especially, which I think you've seen, haven't you, with all the glass shattered everywhere? I have seen the poster, yeah. I did notice the glass. I assume that was kind of like some sort of smashing a mirror or something, because I'm not as well versed in 
or the Doctor Strange lore and uh, things like that as you are, but I'm sure you're going to educate me now on it. Yes, so uh, when in Spider-Man and they do it in the original Doctor Strange when they go into the mirror universe and so, so everything's sort of like flipped over and they can do all this weird geometry and stuff and it's great, um, but uh, in one of the shards of glass, it's right down at the bottom, bottom right, right next to the cape of Doctor Strange. Now, I didn't see this myself, I saw it on the old social medias, but there is a, what looks to be a Captain America style shield, but Ooh. it doesn't have the star on it, it has the Union flag on it, so it would be Captain Carter's shield, so instead of it being Captain America, it's Captain Britain, and it's the British version which has been showing, uh, which has shown up in the What If series. If you watch that, which is a really good, if you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. But hopefully, we're going to get to see a bit of Captain Carter, a bit of Peggy Carter as Captain Britain, which is going to be great. That would be really cool to see, actually. Uh, I like to see all the variations. I love all the sort of multiverse films relating to any sort of universe. I think, obviously, Into the Spider-Verse, that was incredible. Seeing the uh, the, oh, the def- Spider-Pig yeah. was obviously my favourite. Which uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit upset they didn't get Spider-Pig from the Simpsons movie into that one. I think that would have been <laughs> another fine ad- addition to have. But no, I, I'm really looking been. forward to seeing all the characters drawn in. There's a lot of rumours that... Um, uh, is it Richard Reed, Mr. Fantastic, will be... Yeah, there's rumours of pretty much everything. Uh, However, the best thing about this entire trailer, and I don't know if you noticed it, I think I'm pretty sure when I sent you a message to you just going absolutely crazy about it, that there's one point where it all sort of goes silent and Doctor Strange is brought into a room in handcuffs and you hear the sweet, sweet voice of no other than Sir Patrick Stewart. And... I honestly just lost it. I paused the video <laughs> and I started like jumping up and down when I listened to it. And I think I sent it to you at about half six in the morning when I'd just woken up. And I was like jumping around my bathroom and I was like, oh, it's Professor X! He's back! And yeah, we need to He's see him back. in the MCU, don't we? We need the, the X-Men characters bringing through more into the MCU in my eyes. The, I think I've said on an earlier podcast that... The side of Marvel that I've seen are the original Spider-Man movies, are the X-Men movies, Fantastic Four. So the fact that those kind of characters are coming into it, I am so happy. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, and I think it it speaks a lot to sort of how well-loved and good the old films were that people are getting so excited for it. And that instead of Disney recasting, they're just bringing back the old cast because there isn't a better cast than there were like Patrick Stewart as Professor X is a perfect perfect casting and obviously alongside him this does bring the opportunity to bring forth a Mr. Hugh Jackman I would yeah I would really like to see Hugh Jackman return to play Wolverine. I think he's obviously done it a lot now when but but no one gets yes. bored of it. I just hope he hasn't. I don't think I think Hugh Jackman's the kind of person that if they presented him with an opportunity like this and said this is the idea for this film, multiverse, you know, I I I feel like Hugh Jackman's the kind of person that wouldn't say no to it. Uh, I'd love to see Sir Ian McKellen though come back as Magneto and uh, make an appearance. That would be good for me, but I'm not sure how that would tie in with the story particularly. No, I, I don't know. However, apparently they've gone back and done a load of reshoots and it's just to pack in and cram in as many 
cameos as possible apparently so there's probably going to be loads i mean deadpool's probably going to show up now probably and <laughs> and I, I sent you the photo of what looks like some form of like superior iron man yes uh, it is. and that's probably going to be no other than mr tom cruise if the rumors are true which is going to be amazing because that film was meant to be made in the 1990s <laughs> if that actually comes to fruition it's going to be it's just going to be the nerdiest film ever made isn't it it's gonna be great it is it's it's gonna be one of those things that people will say it's a bad film because it just gives us everything we want but i like films that do that i don't think it will be a bad film either but when films just chuck loads of things and it's just boom 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 nostalgia cameo little nod to something else i'm like yeah i like that i like to go oh that yeah I, i like those films it is i love those type of films because it really brings you in now i would like Hugh Jackman to come in as Wolverine. I know everybody would like that, but can you imagine if they had the balls and brought him in to the MCU as the greatest showman? <laughs> it's just... It's, you just see him, and, and it's just like this really close shot on his face, and everyone's like, oh, it's Wolverine! And then he's got his top hat on, and he just starts singing... <laughs> P.T. Barnum is that is that the character? Yeah, yeah. P.T. Barnum. Yeah, <laughs> and he just starts singing, and then Zac Efron and Zendaya come out of nowhere, and everyone's like, "Oh, MJ," and she's like, "What? No, I'm a circus performer." Oh yeah, because she's in it as well. I forgot <laughs> about is, yeah. it. Actually, links up as well. Okay, so it's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness slash Greatest Showman Two is what I'm hearing. That I mean, that to me is just yeah, that's the film to make. That's the only film to make. No other film should be made until that's made, in my eyes. If I don't see that film, then my life hasn't been worth it. <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> it. Game over, I'm done. Hollywood, whoever, Bollywood make this film. <laughs> that's who I want. Give me a Bollywood version of this film and I'll be happy. That'd be incredible. Holly would have been a better place if you made that movie. Ooh, oh, my word. I'm never saying that again. That was terrible. And what an absolute... <laughs> fantastic time we're having (laughs) now i'm gonna move ever so slightly on to another trailer that got released the other day i'm not sure if you saw it or not but it is a trailer for the lord of the rings tv series it's the rings of the l something it's in the 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 rings of power i think yeah is it to do with the elves am i right i think it's to do with the elves I think it's or to do with everything. everything. i think i just saw the trailer and they were in i'm not a massive lord of the rings fan but they're in the elf place Yes, they are in the elf place. They are in the elf place, as we will call it. From that is the only name we're going to call it, the elf place. Yeah. Uh, the main woman in it is, from what I've read, apparently a young Galadriel, who is one of the characters from Lord of the Rings, one of the incredibly powerful elves from those uh, from the books and the films. Uh, it looks, I think, it looks okay. I don't think okay. it shows an incredible amount of what it's going to be like. No, I did catch it. It just looked like they were just showing off the scenery and the CGI and the visuals. And that is okay for a teaser. It is, as I wholeheartedly believe, the most expensive TV show that's ever been made. I think, if I remember correctly, it's just over a billion dollars has been spent what? on just one season. Or just one season. Yeah, it's like the most expensive thing that's like, ever been made for TV. Wow, I'm it's I'm wondering crazy. how they got that greenlit. How they got the it's approval. Amazon, isn't it? They just they'll just I do suppose. anything. Won't it's they? Lord of the Rings, isn't it? They have they haven't milked Lord of the Rings yet, like they have 
the Star Wars franchise, for example. So yes. now they're going to milk it for all it's yeah. got. I suppose when you milk something enough, there is a chance that you can start to have things that are hit and miss. Whereas if you just do, oh, we're just going to do a one-off, people are probably going to like it, or people are at least going to watch it. Yeah, they'll watch it all and give it a chance. And if it's rubbish, that's fine. They've watched it. You've made your money. Just don't make any more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because I can imagine a lot of people, if they don't have Amazon Prime, who like Lord of the Rings, will at least get a subscription for however long it's on just to watch this show. It, I, I feel like it's going to be good. I don't think they'd spend that much money on it, or even put it out there, or have even started the production on it if they didn't think it was going to be good. Because Lord of the Rings fans. As one myself, <laughs> if it's not good, we'll say it's not good. Well, well, that's it. Have they? Has there been a lot of demand for any more Lord of the Rings content? Uh, I'm not sure where it's come from, really. Or have they just decided, ah, this would be a good idea. We'll do this. Yeah, they've sort of just decided it. Originally, they didn't really say what it was going to be about. Originally, they just said it was going to be a Lord of the Rings TV series, and the speculation was going to be, oh, it's going to be following Gollum, it was going to be the story of Gollum, oh, and how he that. turned yeah. into it. Yeah, and or it was going to be the lead-up to the start, and it was going to be following a young Aragorn through his life until he meets them at the Prancing Pony and in the Fellowship of the Ring. It was going to be up to that point, but obviously it's set a long, long time before the events of that. I'm going to move on from Lord of the Rings because <laughs> I could potentially be talking about it later on. Uh, <laughs> potentially. Who knows? Who knows at this point? I could be lying, but I might not be. But I might be. Who knows? Suspense. Now, it is, honestly, it's so suspenseful. Now, I feel like you should take this one. Could you please tell me something about you, McGregor? You, <laughs> McGregor. Oh, so the, the Kenobi release date has dropped for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series we've got the release date it's May 25th I, I am right in saying that aren't I yes May you 25th, are yeah. and that's great isn't it we said it was going to be May the 4th that's what last, I was predicting last yeah. week yeah however I think that's still a mighty fine time to be released no trailer yet though is there no and a lot of people thought it was going to drop during the Super Bowl um, well the Super Bowl show in they thought there was going to be a commercial with Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, and I think there was actually a Ewan McGregor commercial that was shown during Super Bowl, <laughs> but it was nothing to do with Star Wars or Obi-Wan Amazing. Kenobi. I might, we might have to fact-check that, but I'm pretty sure I saw some things saying they got excited when they saw Ewan McGregor, and then it was nothing to do with, with Kenobi. <laughs> but the series, yeah, we don't know too much at all, really, about what's going to be included in it. We know it's set, obviously, um, after Revenge of the Sith. We know it's set on, on Tatooine, um, or at least that's one of the settings for it. We know Hayden Christensen's returning as Anakin Skywalker or and slash or Darth Vader. We're not sure which one yet. Um, and obviously, I appreciate they're technically the same character, but they're not, if you're a Star Wars nerd like me, they are <laughs> two separate <laughs> characters. Uh, and there has been some lead concept art suggesting that Obi-Wan and Anakin are, or Darth Vader are going to have a rematch I'm not sure whether that will come into it. That would be pretty cool to see. But yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm trying not to look up too much about it because I'm expecting it to be incredible. I'm expecting it to be one of the best Star Wars um, TV shows or, you know, to compete with the films. One of the best Star Wars content creations to come out. So I want it to be as much of a surprise as it can be. But at the same time, I can't help engrossing myself in all of the details that are coming out about it. Same. I'm trying to avoid everything. I saw a little, little. I don't know. It was like a, something that someone had 
put together and it's all the a few of the details that have come out about it like you said I think it's all but confirmed that it's going to be the rematch of the century of Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader which is going to be amazing and there's some there's loads of people have been casting it I think who who is it that's been casting it Kumail Nanjiani I think that's his name he was in Eternals he's been cast as a character in it there's loads of random people who've been casting it but I think it's somebody who's directed some really good episodes of The Mandalorian directed the entirety of the series which I think is really good yeah it should hopefully be a really good watch and I, I think that this is one of the things that they will know that if they get this wrong fans will not forgive them I'm you're giving us Ewan McGregor, you're giving us Kenobi. If you, we can, yeah, a few episodes of the Book of Boba Fett maybe uh, a bit hit and miss. A few of the episodes, that's okay. We, the series was good as a whole. If Kenobi is not perfect, Star Wars fans will revolt. They will petition till the cows come home for it to be decanonized and <laughs> retconned. Um, so, I think it will cause uproar. So, I'd imagine they've got the best directors on it. They've put a, a big budget into it. I'd hope the details are probably out there somewhere. Oh, I imagine so. Is. Yeah. Well, I mean, to have to have you and McGregor do the series as well. I know he's a massive Star Wars fan, so it probably didn't take yeah. him much convincing to do it. Um, but I'm just so 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 unbelievably excited for that. If there was one series I could have out of all the ones they're making, and I think I speak for every Star Wars fan out there, it's the Kenobi series. Yeah, I've because it's been a rumor. For so long, hasn't it, that they're it going to be making this, yeah, this Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I love Obi-Wan Kenobi, and um, Ewan McGregor was such good casting. Now, obviously, this sort of lays it open to him maybe having a little tussle, potentially, with Darth Maul. But I don't think that'll come to pass, because if you haven't watched Rebels, spoiler alert for <laughs> Rebels right now, uh, there is an episode with... I'm pretty sure it's Rebels. It is it's going to be really yeah. bad. It is Rebels, yeah. It is Rebels. Uh, it is, yeah, where Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul have a massive fight. Well, you know what? It's not a massive fight. It's like <laughs> it's a three-second like fight, isn't it? It's like a three-second fight. Now, I was slightly disappointed, but then I sort of got it. In a way, it was even though Darth Maul's been through all this like stuff and he's like got the the Sith holocrons and whatever, and he's all bloody powerful. He's got his robo legs. He still can't beat Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he never will. He used the same move, I believe, that he used in The Phantom Menace to kill Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes, I'm pretty sure he did. It was the exact same uh, technique, the exact same combination of moves, and Obi-Wan obviously knew how to counter it because he remembered that, probably haunted him. The, his entire life, watching his master get killed, and probably thought, ah, oh, that's what he could have done to stop it. <laughs> exactly, it's like, oh, it's like, if only Liam Neeson would, <laughs> would, have known, would have known how to use a lightsaber properly. I love that Liam Neeson's just in that one film, it's great, it's so funny. He did it well as well, he, he did the role justice, I think. I'd love to have seen more of Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, I really would, it's a shame that he was uh, short-lived. Because, yeah... yeah. Would have been really nice. But obviously it's like George Lucas always says, it's like poetry. It rhymes in his weird, in his strange little voice. but Because it, it does, because it's sort of like the mentor dies and it passes on to the next yeah. person. It's like Obi-Wan dies and it passes down to Luke. It's the same things that happen in every film and that's why they're sort of so good. But that's Obi-Wan. It's going to be good. It's coming out in May. Good times. May the, may the force be with you. 
May the 25th be with May you. 25th okay. <laughs> uh, now, I said, as we were just, just before we started recording, actually, some news has just broken, and it's from the most reliable internet source in the world. It's it's a internet internet it's a website called Video Games Twenty Four Seven. Now it just popped up on my Facebook and I'm unsure how completely true it is, but apparently Netflix have brokered a deal with Take Two Interactive to develop a Bioshock movie. That doesn't surprise me if it is true. It's going I to be would... great. Like that's amazing. Yeah. I think there's definitely potential for a really good, a really good movie out of that. The, the dystopian vibes, the, the the actual just visuals of the, even though it's a, it was a bit of an older game. Say older, it was what sort of PS3, Xbox 360 sort of generation. The first Bioshock, wasn't it? The visuals on it are great. Yeah. The the setting, the scenery, and just the story. The co- the whole concept of Bioshock is fantastic. The gameplay is obviously really good, but even if the gameplay wasn't good, the the whole the whole idea behind it is really intriguing and really fascinating. I think there's a lot of routes you can take with it. So, yeah, obviously we don't know yeah. how true that is, but I I would not be angry if it was true. Well, I've just I've actually just very quickly searched it up and it is true. IGN yeah. put it out. Um, Netflix announces a long-awaited the BioShock movie. Uh, the BioShock. What a weird sentence. BioShock movie, not the BioShock. Yeah, it <laughs> all, it literally just says Netflix is going somewhere beyond the sea after it announced that it will be producing a live-action film based on BioShock. Apparently, there's no writer or filmmaker currently attached to the project, though plans for the movie have been in the works for almost a year. Wow. There we go. So there we go. Something else to look forward to, which again, if they get it wrong, people will not, not, not be happy. No, because I love Bioshock. Bioshock is is definitely in that top ten. I know we we did top five the other day, but yep. it's, Bioshock is somewhere in that top ten. And I have I played it. it. Wow! Oh my god! I have we, played, we like a I have played okay. Bioshock. Bioshock right now. And Bioshock right Infinite. now, there's going there's going to be a noise playing right now. <laughs> and okay, I'm just going to clip that and play it again. <laughs> and that is the noise for every time you've played a game we talk about. There we Congratulations. Go. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Where's my reward? <laughs> I don't know what your award your award will be something once you've probably hit a hundred then you can have you can have a biscuit. Oh, How about that? What kind of biscuit are we talking? Jaffa cake, custard cream. With we're talking a Java cake on the top of a custard cream. Whoa, there we go. Now we're talking. Let's get to 100. Now we are. <laughs> we definitely are talking. Now, we've got two more things to get through, and then we're going to move on to our main topic of today's episode. Now, I think we should leave old Boba Fett till after this next one, because I feel like we're going to have quite a bit to say about it. Yeah. Now... We spoke about this very briefly the other day via Messenger. The new Assassin's Creed. Yes, there was some information released, and all I've seen on it is that it's going to be a smaller scale map. It's going to be set in Baghdad, I believe. I think it's Baghdad, yes. It's Basim that it's following, isn't it? Yes, it is. So... um, yeah, I don't really know much else about it other than that, but I, I, is it, it's going to be like the next main Assassin's Creed game when it said it was going to be smaller. I couldn't work out if it meant they're making kind of like a mini Assassin's Creed game. It's going to be like maybe a 20-hour story, or if they just meant the map smaller. 
like it used to be. So, so basically, what's happened is the rumor is is it started out as a DLC for Valhalla, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until they've decided this is too big to be a standalone DLC for the game. It should probably be released as its own standalone title. Okay, it's going to be more akin to the original games where it's more stealth based yeah that was what i was thinking world. when they said smaller is they just mean it's not going to be as open it's going to be a bit more classic because people miss the classic style assassin's creed don't they they complain about yeah. the new ones saying oh well it's not assassin's creed really is it it's just got the name i, I disagree but that's what they say. i do as well but apparently this game's going back to that classic formula and like you said it's going to be in baghdad and it, it a lot of people are thinking i think there's a photo or a picture been going around of it's sort of a circular map, and it's like Baghdad, but it's all in one big circle, and it's all the streets and the cities built up as one giant circle. It looks interesting. It's sort of like a maze, and that's sort of, I'm assuming, where it's going to be set. But you play as Basim, and I think it's meant to be in his younger years, leading up to, obviously, it's Loki that takes over him, isn't it? I think he's just a reincarnation, isn't he, of Loki? I think so. I think it's. I think from what I've read, it's sort of... It, it might focus on his life up until the point where the spirit of Loki within him sort of Got awakens. You. Got it, that makes sense. Yeah, and then that's probably where it's going to end and it'll lead in to Assassin's Creed Valhalla's story, which, I mean, that's interesting. I don't know if any of this these rumours are true, but if they are, then that's exciting to get a classic-style Assassin's Creed game. There we go, yeah. I'm, I, again, it's something I'm really looking forward to. I love Assassin's Creed. I've played pretty much all of them, and uh, any content that we can get for that, I am all about it. I am as well. I, I love Assassin's Creed. I don't like the film. Not a good film. No. Um, <laughs> but everything else is is pretty good. I think we should move on to Boba Fett. Let's go. I'm, I actually um, watched it before before recording this. You've just seen it, have you? Yeah. What did you make you of it? What, it? what were your initial reactions? I liked it. Uh, I thought it was good. I I've wrote down a few notes. I've put um, the first note I made was get rid of the space hipsters. <laughs> I don't. I like. I like them in a way, but I don't know how much they fit into the the whole vibe. I feel like the <laughs> the outfits don't match. The vehicles don't match. I like the idea of like maybe a, a little band of misfits or rebels that are on Tatooine that. You know, are maybe like little bandits or something that end up working with Boba Fett. But I think the whole oh, let's make them like yeah, edgy, robotic, futuristic, hipster teens with eye patches and spinning moves and motorbikes. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Yeah, to me. it's weird. It's like a lot of space hipsters riding Vespers on on Tatooine with a load of body mods. I, I don't like it. It doesn't. Everything about that show is all Star Wars all the time apart from that and it feels very now don't take offence to this because I also love it but it feels a bit Star Trek-y it feels a bit like Star Trek Enterprise-y or the next generation like a weird offshoot episode where there's these weird hipstery people in it or something now there's nothing wrong Nothing wrong with Star Trek. I love Star Trek. I like Star Trek Discovery. It's not the most famous, popular one, but I like it. I like Voyager. I like Next Generation. 
like Enterprise, but I just think they don't fit in Star Wars. I think their characters are weird, and I don't know why they're so London. <laughs> it's like they've got these little Cockney accents. It's very strange. Maybe if it was during the prequel era on, on Coruscant or something. Okay, yeah, maybe in the fit. city. Maybe they would fit, and they're the ones selling the death sticks and all that. Maybe that would yeah. fit. But putting them on Tatooine, which is set... Uh, it's strange because I feel like it's, Star Wars is a bit like a, a bit like a yo-yo in the sense that it starts very futuristic. I know it's all set in the past, a long time ago, in the galaxy far, far away. But the prequel era is the prequel era. Sorry, is very futuristic in terms of how it's set out. Neon lights, you know, um, flying things, all, all that kind of stuff. And then maybe it's just because it was shot in the seventies and the eighties, but. The original trilogy for me seems a bit more sandy, a bit more a bit more retro. They don't seem like the tech is as good. You know, the blasters are a bit rusty. And I suppose that's maybe because they're under imperial rule and they're having to sort of salvage things and get, get old things. But do you know what I mean? It feels a bit more rustic is maybe the word in the yeah. original trilogy. And then the, the, the sequels, if, if we want to even consider them Star Wars, <laughs> again, go very futuristic, very futuristic. Yeah, they are. I think it's like it's very stylized, isn't it? But those characters definitely fit. If they were on Coruscant, they'd fit and it'd be fine. But they're not on Coruscant, so why are they are? You need robes. You need doesn't make robes sense. and staffs, not eye yeah. pa- eye glasses with lasers and stuff yeah. like that. Bit strange. Uh, I did really like the episode, though. I didn't expect it to be all, all fighting all the time. No, I'm glad Grogu chose. The little well, um, Mando called it a shirt. Yeah, I'd they? call it a chainmail. I'd call it a chainmail, but we'll go with shirt. His little metal shirt. I also, I'm just going to go through the notes I wrote down. Um, those massive super battle droids. Oh, the, the um, they're a bit like the what called the droidy cars. Yeah, super battle droids, aren't they? That's what they're no, called. No, the isn't super, it? Battle super battle droids are the silver ones that. You know the ones that, that are fighting with R2-D2 in the hangar in episode 3 right at the start? I'm sure they're super battle droids. I'm going to search. They're one I'm up from your standard battle droids. Right now. They're destroyer droids you're thinking of. The ones that roll around. Droidy cars. Oh yeah, that's it. Or it's droidikas. a bloody... Dis- it is. Yes, destroyer you're droid, completely yeah. correct. You're completely correct. I never doubted that <laughs> And I'm sorry for my misconception. So yes, it is a destroyer droid, isn't it? They're, they're massive ones. And they had like the prequel shields. It was great. Yeah, they did. I think I think when I saw the shields, I was like, oh, yep, yep, there we go. It's one of those things that I love to see. I'm like, oh, they got the shields. I Maybe it's because we got a bit spoiled in the prequel era that they could kind of just get through the shields quite easy with a lightsaber. Um, but I was a bit like, why is it taking them about 15 minutes to just destroy the shield on these things? And then after all that, it was just like, oh, we'll get the Rancor, like a bantha. Exactly. But I think... Exactly. I think it's... Because if you think... Nothing in this universe now has any technology like that. Nobody uses like shield technology apart from possibly some ships, but nothing like that is around. There's no sort of well. One of the Mandalorians in one of the previous episodes had a personal shield, yeah, but it was nothing to the extent of what those giant destroyer droids did. Um, I thought they were great. I liked how they sort of acted as like the final boss. Yeah, um, I liked Boba Fett riding the Rancor. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I don't think Cad Bane's dead. 
Why would they kill him off? I don't know. Um, Why would they kill him off? That would be an absolute wasted opportunity of putting that character in and then just having him stabbed. I mean, what more are they going to do with him, though, unless they bring him into Mandalorian? But I have a feeling Mandalorian wants to go down the Thrawn route. Unless they obviously tie Cad Bane into working with Thrawn or something. Um, But he's old now, so maybe they did it just to please us and then thought, yeah, we'll just end his story there. I don't know. Oh, also, that was what I was meant to say. Um, Cobb Vanth at the end. Yes. In the back to in the back to tank. It's great. Yeah, because when they said it's being used at the moment, I assumed they meant uh, Chris Hansen was in the back to tank. Yeah. Because Boba Fett said, well. "Oh, you, you you deserve a long soak after this in the back to tank." That was Cobb Vanth, wasn't it? So obviously yeah. still alive, as we thought he might be, because it was a shoulder shot. So. Yeah, it was great to see the residents of Freetown turn up, though, and help out. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I think overall it was a nice a nice ending to the series, and I loved, at the end, Grogu in that little pod at the back, and then he presses his little <laughs> little booster button, and he does this little cute scream. It feels so good they fly to off. together. They belong together, those two. They do. I still think something's going to happen. With, he's got, I mean... Grogu's got to get a lightsaber at some point, surely. Yeah, his force powers have just been getting stronger and stronger, haven't they? And yeah. I think spending a bit of time with Luke would have helped him a bit just to refine those and develop them a bit more. But he's getting older. Well, slowly, slowly, slowly getting older. And he's only going to grow into them more as he starts using them, I suppose. But it's nice to see him being a bit of a badass, really. I'll, I'll just great. walk like... out in front of the Rancor and just say, all right, mate, nap time. There you go. <laughs> And then he went and like snuggled up next to him for a little yeah. cuddle. <laughs> it's great. I love Grogu. I absolutely love Grogu. I've got so much like Grogu Lego and figurines. It's unreal. One yes, of you do. Best characters to to come out of Star Wars in my eyes. So yes, good, so yes. good. Cheesy, done to sell toys and teddies, but also a really good character. And that's like the sweet spot of where he wants it. People love him. I don't know anyone who doesn't think he's cute either. He's no. the cutest character ever created. <laughs> he is. It's. Uh, it was just a great series to watch as well. It was fun. Some people are saying, oh, the writing wasn't good. Oh, again, they just gave us what we wanted. It was just nostalgia blast. And I thought, you know what? I had so much fun watching that. I'm just, yeah, really happy. Yeah, I am as well. Good end. And we don't have to wait much longer for Obi-Wan. What's great? So it's... Once again, all Star Wars, all the time. I feel like we're going to have something Star Wars based to talk about every single week. Yeah, we, we, we might be done today. We might not be with Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Who knows? Suspense. Who bloody knows? Anyway, we have, have got a topic for today that we're going to talk about decided upon by Mr. Jamie himself, haven't we? Yeah, I, I thought... We've just been discussing our favourite games, underrated games, which is, I say just, it's been an amazing topic. It's been really fun to talk about them. But we did say we were going to talk all things media, and we talk a lot of the start about films and TV shows, and I thought, well, why don't we talk a bit more about that today and dedicate a whole show to it? And why don't we discuss our top three movie films of all time? <laughs> Wait, sorry. <laughs> what did you just say? Our top three what? Top three movie films. <laughs> movie films. Have you never watched Borat? <laughs> Now, this is my favourite no, movie yeah. film. <laughs> I have, but because you didn't do it in the accent, I just thought it was what? the strangest way of saying a film because you said it so casually. I love Borat. I still haven't watched the, <laughs> the second one. 
Uh, you should do. It's not as good as the first, but it's still a good laugh. Um, but yeah, honourable mention to Borat. It's not in my top three, but very nice. But honourable mention to Borat. It is. It is a great film. If you haven't seen it, go and see Borat. So, I think you should start. What is your numero tres? So, my number three is a film that uh, I would imagine most people have watched. And if you haven't, then oh, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it's a bit maybe sad that I'm in my late twenties and this film makes my top three. But Shrek, it's always Shrek. Now, got to be. I'm not three. even gonna. I'm not even going to argue with you. I genuinely believe now. None of my top three are animated films, but I genuinely believe Shrek is. And Shrek, let's say Shrek one and two. And two. One oh film. yeah. If anything, Shrek two might be slightly better. But we're just gonna say Shrek. We're just going to say Shrek. Yeah. Let let's say Sh- I think Shrek is the best animated film ever made, and I don't think there's any competition. I, d- I don't think it is. I know it is. You know it is. We you all know, know it is. is. Oh, definitely. The only animated film in my is. eyes that could maybe compete with Shrek is Toy Story Two. Toy Story Two is great. All Toy Story is great, but Shrek still the best. Shrek. Shrek's always going to be the best. Anyway, tell us about your love for Shrek. Come on. <laughs> So, I mean, Love of Shrek, obviously it comes in meme form as well. There's so many memes about Shrek. And in, if, if you are in the, like, the dank meme community, or, or just, just a memer in general, the, the odds are you probably love Shrek as well. Um, but it was one of those films that came out, was it, I want to say 2001, 2003? I think so. I think it's 2001. Yeah. You, you have a little talk, and I'll do a little tappy-tap on the inside. So it came out, and I don't know what it was. Everyone just loved it when it came out. Everyone was like, "Wow, this is yeah." There we go. This is really good. Everyone said, didn't they? And I thought, and, and the story doesn't matter how many times you watch it. The story is just so so funny. And I think every time I watch it, I pick up on little things like little jokes and references that I didn't get when I was younger. So it's entertaining for the adult audiences as well as the, as, as the uh, the younger audiences. And the casting of it was great, especially at the time to have Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, Eddie Murphy uh, as the comic relief, uh, and then obviously bringing in like, Antonio Banderas later on. They've been able to do so much with Shrek. They've been able to make multiple films. They've had spin-off series. So you've got like Shrek Spooky Stories, I believe. Shrek the Halls is the Christmas special. You've got a Puss in Boots film and spin-off series. You've got um, the, the video games. There are Shrek video games for each film. And they've also got Shrek the Musical. Shrek the Musical they is incredible. Shrek the Musical. I think it's on Netflix it for anyone that wants to watch it. So... The fact that they've been able to do so much just shows you how big of a hit it was. I think none of the films I'd say were a miss. I think three and four were, eh, they're all right. But Shrek 1 and arguably Shrek 2, in my eyes, has... Shrek 2, I'd say, has the better soundtrack. Yeah, Shrek 2 definitely has the better soundtrack. But I think together, they're amazing. There's, it's very often a song will come on a TV show or I'll just hear it on the radio or it'll come on Spotify and I'll just immediately go, Shrek. Yeah, it's on Shrek. All the good songs are on Shrek. All the songs on Shrek are good songs. They're, I, I, I'm struggling to say what to, to, to. I'm struggling to think what to say about it, just because of how good Shrek is. 
Do you know what I mean? There's just so many yeah, things, things you can talk about. You can't specify it. Just the whole feel of the film. It's so fun to watch. And the characters. Yeah. And <laughs> my, my, some of my favourite, even the, the sort of minor characters, the side characters, all have their own personalities. And it's so, like the gingerbread man. Do you know the Muffin Man? Uh, that oh, he's scene, so good. The Muffin Man is one of the funniest things ever. Even to this day, I'll, I'll be in conversation with someone, and then I'll, out of nowhere, they'll think I'm weird, because I'll just go, Muffin Man! Um, <laughs> it just, just takes me <laughs> off feet. And the the pigs as well, the three little pigs, the fact that they've given oh, all little German, German accents, and they have all these like combat moves that they name, so they're like, <laughs> when they get them in the... the um, like the pillowcase and throw him at the fairies like picks in a blanket <laughs> fire in the hole it's so good <laughs> it's, I just I could talk about that all night long how much I love Shrek and anyone who hasn't watched it even if you're an adult I know it's an animated film but it's just so good go watch it please 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 watch Shrek number three it could have been it could have been higher potentially um but I just couldn't do a top three films without mentioning it, so I'll hand over to you before I just pass out from Shrek excitement. <laughs> pass out? That's amazing. Well, I I think because they're doing another Shrek film, aren't they? They're doing a reboot. Yeah, I don't know how I feel yeah. about that. However, however, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Apparently, apparently, it's the same voice cast. Oh yeah, if it's Mike Myers. Mm, as Shrek. But it's a different art style. I could, yeah. I mean, then again, they obviously didn't use the film actors for the musical, and that was really good as well. Yeah, I know what you mean. Now, obviously, if they do that, we'll probably do a Shrek special where we watch all of them and talk about Shrek to your heart's content, Jamie. How does that sound? Oh, that'll be a good five hour episode, that one. Oh, yes, definitely. So get ready for that, and that is coming out. I think it's coming out next year, I think. So get ready for that. It'll be episode episode 78 will be Shrek Yourself Special. That will what it be called. Um, That'll be episode Fiona. Number... Sorry, uh, your number three. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number three is three films, because I don't want to split them all up. We've already mentioned it earlier on, so I won't talk about it too much, but it's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Of course. I love it. I've always loved it. I remember watching it when I was younger, before I'd read the books, and my dad hated them. Oh, <laughs> and I remember, I remember buying. Uh, well, not me, obviously. I remember my dad buying me sort of like the box set when it all came out on DVD in two thousand and four or five or whenever it yeah, was I when think it came out. On DVD. I want to say Fellowship of the Ring was two thousand and one. I can fact check that. It I'm was. Not sure about I mean, King. like the collection, oh, the collection okay. of DVDs. Yes, um, and I remember sitting there one night watching Return of the King when they're up in Shelob's lair, and I was watching it with my dad, and I was I was on the edge of my seat. I'd never watched Lord of the Rings: Return of the King before. I was on the edge of my seat, and I remember turning around, so excited that there was this giant bloody spider on screen I turn around <laughs> to my dad and he's fast asleep and I was like oh my god and I remember waking him up and being like you're missing it I was like this is so good and he just didn't wake up and he stayed asleep and I still don't think he's ever watched the films but I love them I love everything about them like the music, the setting, the cinematography, the casting, the acting just everything about it like the production design that nearly everything in that film is practical and that's what the Hobbit falls down on now. The Hobbits as films are okay. They're they're fine. I have they're seen the Hobbit not... films. I've seen bits oh, and pieces of Lord of the Rings. Okay, right. Well, you need to change that and watch Lord of the Rings because they're incredible. Now, 
the Hobbit is I'm not even going to talk about it for that long but it, it's okay the first one is great it's got such a good ending the Hobbit the first one yeah but it just sort of goes downhill from there. They should have done it in two films, not three. But, you know, that's production studios for you. That's the industry. <laughs> um, yeah, Lord of the Rings is great. It's everything that I love in a film. I love fantasy stuff. I love... I just love it. It's just great. The characters, the storyline. It made me want to read the books. I did read the books. And I enjoyed the books. I'll probably never read it again because they're very slow and very long. And there's a lot of describing of very minute details, which obviously very well written but I I just love film so much and I'd rather watch the films especially the extended cut on 4k which I got earlier this year and it's absolutely it's incredible quite long that isn't it the extended cuts I've heard they're really long yeah they're like three and a half hours each they're really long it's just got stuff from the books in which doesn't really need to be in the films I think it's hard doing an adaptation of such such a sort of a property because obviously it's so detailed his writing Tolkien's writing that trying to put that onto screen is basically an impossible task it's like Dune the film Dune that came out that film or the book has said to be completely impossible to put onto screen but old Denis Villeneuve did it because he did it with Blade Runner the new one and that was amazing and Dune was also an incredible film it's not in my top five or top three or whatever, but June is a great film. I'm going to move on because I'm waffling on. Could you please tell us your number two, Jamie? So number two, uh, again, a throwback to something we discussed a bit earlier on. I, I think it is probably obvious to most people that the Star Wars franchise is one of my favourite franchises. And there are there are probably other Star Wars films that I probably think are a bit better than Shrek in terms of the presence they have. But I, I, <laughs> sorry, sorry, you just really, that's such a good sentence. That's amazing. There are a few Star Wars films that I think are a bit better than Shrek. But I don't think anyone's ever said well, that. Th- ever. The, I, I didn't want to say Star Wars as a whole because I don't think the sequel, the sequels are better than Shrek. I don't. But I don't want people to think <laughs> right. that I'm saying. Shrek is better than five of the six Star Wars films. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying anyone's. That. But I nobody's <laughs> ever had this conversation. We're nobody's having it now, and it's important it. just to clarify. <laughs> but for me, and I might get a bit of hate for saying this, so we can widely accept that the prequels are better than the sequels, can't we? Yes, they are. That is unequivocally true. And we can accept that the best of these uh, prequel films is Revenge of the Sith. Uh, or do you disagree? Because I don't. Because that is my number two. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. I mean, that's fine. Now, I just before you talk about your film, I I just like The Phantom Menace the best out of those three, purely because it was the first film I ever saw in a cinema. Yeah. Um, and it was just the best experience of my entire life. And I love the pod race. I love everything about that film. Watching it back, Jar Jar's not as annoying as I thought. It's great aesthetically. I'm going to let you talk now. Off you well, go. no, I love Jar Jar Bings, and that was the one thing that I liked the most when I watched Phantom Menace. But it was what 99, the Phantom Menace. So I'd have been three. Yeah, I think the first film I saw in the cinema was Toy Story 2. But I did see, right. uh, which is why it's one of my favourite films. It's not my number one though. Um, I'll save that for another day talking about Toy Story. But Phantom Menace, I did see in the cinema. I don't really remember it. Um, I remember seeing Attack of the Clones in the cinema. I, I don't remember it massively. But I would have been nine when Revenge of the Sith came out. And at that point, I'd, I'd kind of been old enough to really watch many times all the Star Wars films, all the old ones. So I knew a lot more about the story. And 
it's it's hard to say is it better than the originals. If I could only watch one Star Wars film again, it would be Revenge of the Sith for me. And the reason behind that is I feel like just the action in it is really good. Um, I feel like the pacing of the movie is really good. There are so many epic fight scenes, so many good duels. And one of the people's favourite things with Star Wars is the scenes where they have the duels and the lightsaber battles. And because you have so many of them and such high-profile ones, I I think I probably won't um, disagree with too many people when I say the best duel in the Star Wars cinematic universe is Anakin and Obi-Wan on Mustafar. I believe that is the best Star Wars lightsaber duel there is. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, it, it is a very, very, very good duel. Now, I said before, obviously you've just said, like the prequel, I mean the sequel, sorry, aren't aren't great. However, I do really, really, really like the throne room scene in The Last Jedi where they're fighting all the royal guards. I think that's brilliant. However, in terms of lightsaber fights, I think, yeah, it is a pretty good one. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to have a little think about my favourite lightsaber <laughs> fight because I do, I do like that one. But I think, for me, this is going to sound a bit weird, I think there's a lot of twirling around with the lightsabers. Yeah, but I that's do remember it, it fun. But I do remember, I remember a bit... And I think they're studying the controller room where they've just killed the Geonosian people who are running. Yeah, they did the Obi Annie spin, and... didn't they? That's what yeah, they call it, the Obi Annie spin. They just stand there spinning it's... the lightsabers in front of each other. Like, and they don't even hit each other. It's so weird. It's one of the weirdest things. I remember watching it for the first time, and I was like, "What's happening? <laughs> like, why aren't they hitting each other?" It's like they're doing a weird mating call. It's very strange. Um, I'll have a think now about what my favourite lightsaber duel is, but you carry on. Yeah, no, I just, I just felt like there was quite a lot of good things happening. I really liked the opening scene. That's probably one of my favourite openings to a Star Wars movie. Is when they go to rescue Palpatine and fight with Dooku. I yes. I really like that the way that it just goes straight into the axe action with them flying over Coruscant and then it's the uh, the invisible hand I believe is the name of the ship that uh, Emperor Palpatine or Chancellor Palpatine at that stage is held on by General Grievous. The fight scene with Dooku was quite good and it's interesting to see. I I felt like when I first watched or when I watched back the the films, I feel like I right, in the films Anakin's kind of fall to the dark side is quite rushed, but. If you watch Clone Wars, that that fleshes it out quite a bit and and kind of extends it and makes it feel, okay. Yeah, it's not too rushed when you watch that. But the I don't know the, just the vibe I get from it, how it goes from such a happy, cheerful, hey, rescued the Chancellor, hey, baby's on the way, to oh yeah, um, he's, he's killed a bunch of kids, and um, yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna go. <laughs> it's a dark turn. Gonna, gonna go, uh, you know cut up your baby daddy's legs, leave him in a pit of fire, wow. and you're going to die. <laughs> We're all going to have to go, go into hiding. What film does that, other than maybe Shrek? Uh, but... <laughs> what do you mean Shrek? Shrek 2, maybe. But definitely not Shrek 1. Yeah, but I love it. I love it. And I don't care what anyone says. I think the best Star Wars movie is Revenge of the Sith, and I will die on that hill. I will let you talk about your number two now, before I get too much hate. My God, I mean, I think talking about my number two might be a bit too much information. Um, now, I'm going to do... <laughs> what a ridiculous joke. Awful. That's probably going to get cut. But if you're listening to this, it hasn't been cut, has it? Um, so, my number two is a old film. It's quite an older film, but I adore sort of old, classic, sort of golden age cinema from the 50s, 60s. I 
just love everything from the era, sort of the stop motion animation, animation, <laughs> animation, and everything like that. And it's Jason and the Argonauts from 1963. I've seen that. Oh no, my I haven't. God. I haven't. <laughs> oh, about to say. Have you actually see Jason and the Argonauts? My word. Um, it's amazing. It's, again, I don't think there's been an episode yet where I haven't spoken about Greek mythology. This is no, actually it ridiculous. It does actually come up a lot. I think I am a bit obsessed. It's one of the earliest films I remember watching from my childhood. I just remember this vivid memory of this amazing scene. I'll send you it after this, and I'll link it in the description of this video as well if you want to go and watch it. Um, it's this skeleton fight with Jason... And it's some of the most incredible stop-motion animation you'll ever see in your entire life. It's it's just so good, because it's from 1963, and you've got to really take that into account when you're watching it. And all the skeletons on it are perfect. They look like they're actually fighting Jason in this scene. Anyway, it's based on the actual story, Jason and the Argonauts, where Jason and his crew of men with Hercules as there, or Heracles, as he's actually called, uh, go off in search of the Golden Fleece. And it's amazing. It's so good. And you go for the things, there's like a bit of Poseidon, and there's Talos, which is a giant metal man who's sort of guarding this island, and they go there, and they go for all these different places. It's like a sort of a smaller version of the Odyssey, um, but with not not as much happens in it, and it's just everything's condensed down. But it's brilliant. For the time, it's fantastic. Like I said, the stop-motion animation by Ray Harryhausen, who actually worked on Star Wars, if I'm oh, not mistaken. I think he did. You know what? Ray Harryhausen, I'm searching it right now. Ray Harryhausen. Star Wars. Let's see if he did anything on it. Ray Harryhausen, stop motion pioneer who work who in who, whose work inspired Star Wars. So there you go. So I don't think he worked on Star Wars, but he inspired it. So there we go. Now his stop motion things are incredible. Ray Harryhausen is probably my favourite person ever to be involved with any film. He's just magnificent. The way he can make stop motion animation look real is incredible. He did sort of the old Sinbad films and Clash of the Titans, all those old films. But if you haven't seen Jason and the Argonauts, go and see it. It's probably free on Amazon Prime or Netflix or something somewhere. But it's just amazing to watch. And it's, it is a treat just watching. The, there's a scene of a hydra and it's got all oh, the wow. heads. And it's it looks... It, and, it, and it's not that jaggedy stop motion. And no animation that you'd usually see it's so smooth now the skeletons just before we move on it's amazing how they did it they choreographed the scene and got the person who's playing jason to fight actual people on the screen and then they sort of mapped where these people were moving and then they filmed it over on like a different plate on a different recording and then they sort of stuck it over the top but they filmed it in such a way that they timed it and they made every single movement of the person and the stop motion so perfect that it actually looks like he's fighting these skeletons in real life. That is bits where he like kicks the shields off of them and they all fly backwards and he's like interacting with these skeletons and it, it looks like something 
that if someone did stop motion today in a film, that would be able to be in it. Yeah. It's, it is incredible just the extent that Ray Harryhausen I went think it makes you, to this um, film. Appreciate it a bit more when you think just how little technology they had to work with then for for these kind of things for special effects. They didn't have what we have now. That kind of thing would take maybe be a week's work. Someone could knock up on a computer now in about an hour, maybe. Um, oh, so definitely. It I mean, definitely more, longer more, than a week. Oh, it does. It really makes you appreciate it. But that's my second. It's Jason and the Argonauts from 1963. Go and watch it. It's a fantastic film. And if you don't watch older films, you should, because older films are great. It's like books. Old books are great. Old music's great. And so are old films. Just because they don't look as good doesn't mean they aren't as good because older films are usually a lot better than the ones that are made today. However, this year a lot of really good films have come Loads out of good in ones. the last year, so really good films. Anyway, move on to your number one. My number one. So, I mean, it feels like this only came out a few years ago. It still feels like a really recent film. It's actually 14 years old now. It came out in 2008. And it's quite basic of me to say this is my favourite film. It's going to be a lot of people's favourite films. It's very highly ranked on IMDb. Right. And we have spoken about it before, and that's The Dark Knight is actually my favourite film of all time. Um, It's what really sort of piqued my interest in, first of all, DC, the DC Universe, and Batman as a character, and also what kind of got me into comic books and, and comic book characters and superhero films it was the first kind of introduction. I was quite late to the party with that. I was what, about 12 when it came out. So I, I was into gaming and things and stuff like that. And I watched all the Spider-Man films, I suppose, as well. But it wasn't until I saw The Dark Knight that I started really expanding what I was looking into and oh, reading into the backstories, looking forward to new films coming out and then kind of following it since. So when it comes to my favourite superheroes, Spider-Man is there for me with Marvel because I remember watching the Sam Raimi films when I was younger and then Batman, for me, beats all the other Marvel ones um, and is obviously <laughs> my favourite DC character. He probably is the best DC character. I mean, it's debatable, I suppose. But but I find him more enjoyable than Superman and yeah, those kind of things. But for me, the film, it goes without saying how good it is and the acting is incredible in it. When I went to watch it, again, I didn't know too much about it. My dad suggested going to watch it and I said, yeah, okay. I didn't know how long it was. I didn't know much about Batman other than what he looked like and that he had a butler called Alfred. That was all I knew. I knew the Joker. I'd heard of the Joker. I knew that the Joker had green hair, white face, red mouth, that kind of thing. So I instantly recognised, oh, that's the Joker when when he came on screen. And I knew that Heath Ledger was in the film and that Heath Ledger had died. That was the extent of what I knew. Um, I didn't know what Heath Ledger right. looked like. I hadn't seen much of him at the time, I'm afraid to admit. But, you know, that was that was where I was at with it. So when I was watching it, I, I remember uh, Aaron Eckhart was on screen, who obviously played Harvey Dent and uh, or Two-Face. And I said to my dad, I was like, oh, is, is that Heath Ledger? And he was like, no, no, no just shut up and watch the <laughs> film. I, and other people coming up, I was like, is that Heath Ledger? He's like, no, that's not, that's not him. Um, but I got that film on DVD for the Christmas of that year, and I think I must have put it on every night before I went to bed, and I'd watch the first sort of hour and then fall asleep. And I did that like religiously for like two years, just watched it every night, and I've, I must have seen it like you know easily a hundred times that film where I've actually paid attention as well. Um, the whole trilogy I really like, but The Dark Knight for me stands out. I think most people would argue it's it's the best one in the the Christopher Nolan trilogy for the, the Dark Knight trilogy. The the yeah, I think I'd agree. I think it is the best one because I think 
Am I right in saying that the third film was meant to be centred around the Joker as well, about him breaking out of Arkham or something? Yes, they wanted to have Heath Ledger return as the Joker. They left it very open. Yes. Um, I think there were nods to it at the end of The Dark Knight, if I can remember. They obviously left him alive, and they were going to have him as as one of the main um, antagonists in The Dark Knight Rises or whatever right. they would have called it at that time. But unfortunately, obviously, Heath Ledger passed away. And because of how good his performance was, I think to recast another Joker in that in that universe, in that trilogy, just would not have... I mean, first of all, it might have been a bit disrespectful. Yeah, You know, definitely. to cast the main character as someone else. And also, the movie probably would have flopped because they'd have, they would have compared it because it's playing the same character. You can get away with Rachel changing between... Uh, Batman Begins, and then Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, stepping in, in in The Dark Knight. But they, they had, obviously, Bane step in for The Dark Knight Rises. Well, I say Bane. They they introduced Bane as the main antagonist. Tom yeah. Hardy filled that role, and I think he did a really good job in that. But the performances in The Dark Knight from um, Gary Oldman as Jim Gordon, I thought, was spot on. I really liked Michael Caine as Alfred. It was very stereotypical Michael Caine. But I oh, thought yeah, he definitely. played the role really well. He was very he showed the caring side really well that Alfred has for for Bruce. And I also really liked uh, Christian Bale's Batman, his Bruce Wayne. I thought it was good. I and I don't even need to talk about Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. There is not a single person I've heard say that Heath Ledger wasn't good in that film. Um one of the greatest acting performances I've had the pleasure of seeing on screen whether you say that character is true to the joker that you know the character that he played was the traditional joker that you'd have in the comics maybe not it's a different take on the joker but the way he played the character that he did incredible yeah my favorite film uh 100 now i mean my favorite joker is jared leto <laughs> joking. it's not it's not it is not my favorite joker my favorite joker is jack nicholson's joker i love yeah. that interpretation but i like what you're saying i think it's um it is a good interpretation that heath ledger does it's 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 nice to see different actors different interpretations of the joker character because i don't think there should be one set fit no, for the joker I'm... like you shouldn't be cast as the Joker and go. Oh, I'm just going to do a Mark Hamill impression. Well, that's it. Like you shouldn't. Do yeah, that. Mark Hamill is my favourite actor to play the Joker. You know, he's played different Jokers as well. Um, in you know, he's obviously done the one from the animated series. He's done the games. I feel like he really encapsulates the Joker really well. But it's a different take on it, and I feel like each person who plays the Joker should play it in a different way. I feel like Jared Leto tried to think it flopped a little bit, unfortunately. Um, Heath Ledger introduced a whole new take on the Joker and it was really good. It worked really well because those films aren't as comical. They are gritty, they are dark, they are violent and I think if they had the Joker too jokey and too funny, they needed the human to be a bit more dark and it was. Like when they said, oh, you think you can just steal from us and walk away? And he's like, yeah. And he's holding the, the, the bombs in his jacket, let's not blow this out of proportion. Yeah. The magic trick with the pencil is it's yeah it's funny but it's really dark and oh did he just do that i think that they nailed it they nailed it in my eyes yeah it, it really does work for the character uh who else is who oh it was um joaquin phoenix wasn't yes, it yes of course it who was played yeah, it the joke film. Joaquin phoenix, yeah. yeah um unpopular opinion didn't like Ooh. it <laughs> did you not i just did um i just i don't i don't, I don't know I just I know obviously we've just both said that 
it's everybody's own interpretation of the Joker, but I think in that film, that wasn't the Joker. I, if if the yeah. Joker has to be anything, he's got to be smart. Yep. And that version of the Joker was thick. And do you know what I like, like about he didn't know what was going the Joker on. is that he just does things. And he he Ledger's Joker even says he he says that's where he's kind of true to a joke. He says, "Ah, oh, you know, I, I, I'm like a dog with a bone. I wouldn't know what to do if if I got it or something. Or a dog chasing a car. He wouldn't know what to do. If you, I can't remember what the exact line is, but it's very much like you know, do I like a guy have a plan? And I know the Joker is methodical and he does plan things and he did plan everything in that movie. But it's like you said, this Joker, I like with all the other ones. You don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. They're just doing it. They're just evil. They're, they're, they love yeah. it. They find it funny. They find it entertaining. Whereas I felt like they gave Joaquin Phoenix's Joker too much of a backstory, too much of a reason why they showed him become the Joker. And I, I what I quite like about... I know they did it a bit with Jack Nicholson, but they don't delve too much into it. Into the, oh, he's a depressed loner who society has shunned him for years and now he's finally snapped and had enough. Yeah, I think it was a bit too much. And I didn't like how they shoehorned in Bruce Wayne's. Like, by the time Bruce Wayne's old enough in that universe to be Batman, that version of the Joker is so stupidly reckless yeah. that he's just going to be dead. And there's, there's going to be no. Or Joker. about 80. So he's going to be. <laughs> yeah, or about 80. He's going to be too old to be the Joker. It doesn't even make sense. Quickly on um, Jack Nicholson's Joker, though. He's. I, I don't. I just love that performance. I think it's a fantastic casting for the Joker, and I, I really like how he just falls into that vat at Ace Chemicals, and he has to go to this like back alley surgeon, and the only way he can put yeah. his face back together is by giving him this stupid smile, and it's like bleached his skin white, and his lips red, and it's good. He's given his hair green and everything. I think it's great. It's so good. Yeah, because that was uh, Michael Keaton, was it? Batman for that one? Yes, yeah. Michael Keaton, Batman, Batman, Batman who, wasn't it? Yeah, because I've got the anthology on, on Blu-ray. That, that was just... Yes, you had, who yeah, is? Uh, Batman Returns, Batman... Batman and Robin, and Batman the, Forever. Oh, no, yes, Batman the, Forever was the Joel Schumacher films. Yes. Well, yes, the best very Batman colourful. was George Clooney, <laughs> and he had the best bat suit with the nipples. Oh, he did. He had the Joking, best bat suit, obviously. obviously. And with, obviously, now, obviously the best interpretation of Mr. Freeze <laughs> as well as on Schwarzenegger. It's amazing. <laughs> Ice to meet you. It's it's yeah, brilliant. What a great film. <laughs> it's so ridiculous that film. Um, but Michael Keaton coming back, isn't he, this year as Batman? Is he? Yes, he's coming back in the Flash film. So uh, I think they're basing it off of the Flashpoint paradox, where Barry Allen tries to go back in time to save his mum, but in doing so, he doesn't become the Flash anymore. It's like his life takes a different turn, so he doesn't become the Flash. And because of that, he has to go and find Batman. And the Batman in the universe that he ends up in is um, Michael Keaton's Batman, yeah, which DC is amazing. Needs to do a multiverse, really, didn't they? <laughs> Pretty much. And apparently, the Batgirl or Batwoman film, or whatever it's going to be called, that's coming out this year, is set in that sort of Tim Burton verse. Oh, wow. So it's going to have Michael Keaton in it as well as Batman. And because there's been some set footage um, recently in some photos, and there's sort of a mural in the background with definitely Michael Keaton, Keaton's Batman, amazing on the mural, but with a Robin. Oh, okay. So at some point after the Danny DeVito as Penguin film, <laughs> he, there was a Robin. There's a Robin introduced into the Burton verse, which is quite quite interesting. Which I'd like to see. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And obviously, we've got the the Robin Pattinson Batman. But yeah, Dark Knight for me. I'm hoping it can be topped by this new Batman film. I don't know if it can. 
that's to be found out. But that's my number one. I will stop ranting about Batman because, again, I could talk about it for hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, I asked for your number two earlier. <laughs> I'll ask for your number one this time. <laughs> <laughs> my word. I'm assuming we're just going to get back onto Batman in a couple of weeks anyway probably, when that film comes out because that's going to be probably a whole hour of talking about that, I assume. Anyway, I mentioned my number one, I think, last week. I think I did. It's Ghostbusters. You I did, mentioned it last did, week yeah, when you were talking about the game. game yeah. It's the best. Ghostbusters is the best. It will always be the best. I don't know what it is about the film. And actually, very sad news. Ivan Reitman, the director yes. of the original Ghostbusters films, died the other day, which yesterday, was wasn't very it? sad. I, mean, I did, I did I read about it, that. Yeah. I was going to say to you about it, but I assumed you'd seen the news anyway. Really sad news. Yeah, that. it yeah. was. Yeah, because he had a lot of involvement on the recent film as well, Ghostbusters Afterlife. He had a lot of involvement in that. So unfortunately, yeah, he's passed away. But obviously, he's handed down that mantle to his son, who directed the new film. Um, but yeah, he's he was involved in so many great films. He was a very, very intelligent, very smart man who did a lot for cinema. So. Yeah, well, it's a very sad loss, that. But anyway, Ghostbusters is my number one. I love the story. I love the cast. I love just how it's written. Just everything about it. It's just so ridiculous. Just like I can imagine them all sat there in the 80s and thinking, oh, what can we do as a film? What can we do as a film? <laughs> and then they just come up with, oh, what about Ghost Hunters? And then it turned into that they're really nerdy scientists and... And they have these like weird nuclear accelerated proton pack guns which fire out these laser beams to like lasso ghosts <laughs> into a trap. It's just it's absolutely ridiculous. If you tried to put that forward now at like a production like just somewhere somewhere like Universal Studios, they'd just go, No. One of the one of the main antagonists that. in the film that's gonna strike fear into everyone watching is a giant angry marshmallow. <laughs> Yeah, and, and they'd be like, it's not very... But actually, it's Walter Peck. Walter Peck is one of the angriest people in that. And the person who played Walter Peck, I'm pretty sure being in Ghostbusters ruined his career. Who played him again? I forgot what he's called. It's not Rick Moranis, apparently was it? every time... It's not Rick no. Moranis, no. Um, so Walter Peck is the guy who's sort of the aide to the mayor. Oh, yeah, Who's I trying remember. to shut the Ghostbusters down. Yeah, so... He apparently in the street, like still today, people like shout at him saying they hate him because <laughs> of Ghostbusters. Like because it's but that just goes he played that character so well. Now obviously you hate the character, but he played it so well. Now I did really want Rick Moranis to come back for the latest Ghostbusters film. Unfortunately, he didn't. But he is apparently starting to act That'd again. That'd be great too because um, his was it his wife passed away, so he focused on family and things like that was that right or am i making that up no you're not making that up yeah he left acting to look after his children after i'm pretty sure like you said his wife passed away he's starting to get back into acting now he's done a few like bit roles on stuff but i think he is going to be in a new disney plus film and it's going to be a new honey i shrunk the kids film which will be really good, because obviously he, he was in all the yeah. originals for that. Now, that would be really good. Hopefully, if he does that, he gets a taste for it again. And if they do another Ghostbusters film, which I think is highly likely, hopefully he'll be back, because he's such a good character. He's amazing. Really I love his character in those films. But yeah, Ghostbusters is great. If you haven't seen it, 
what are you doing? <laughs> go, go, just, I'm going to rewatch you know, it now because I love it as well. It's so good. Go and see Ghostbusters because it's honestly just one of the most incredible films you'll ever see in your life. And I even like Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters 2 isn't very well regarded, but I love the second one equally as much as the first one. It's it's just a really good... There's a really funny joke in it, and it's not even going to be funny because when you tell jokes back, they're never funny, but all the ghosts around the world start like coming out and there's this one scene where the Titanic shows up <laughs> and all the ghosts start getting on it and the two people who work at the dockyard just look at each other and say better late than never and it always makes me exactly it always makes me laugh and it's like they look at each other and they're like well better late than never and it's just just this stupid line and i don't really get it however there's there is one line in that film which doesn't make sense the writing on the second one i will admit is a bit weird there's a lot of lines in it what seem like catchphrases that the Ghostbusters always say, but they're not established catchphrases. Like, they... What do they say? It's when they're in the court and they're trying to capture the Scolari brothers in the court. And I think it's on the ground. I I think he says... He either says... I think he says, one down on the ground. And I don't know what that means. And it's it's never said ever again in that entire film. Right. But he just says something like "one down on the ground," and it's like, what's that mean? Doesn't even make any sense. No, I, I think when they put things in, maybe maybe the uh, whoever wrote it thought, ah, this makes sense in my head. Not going to explain it to you guys, though. So Why would I? Probably. Um, one down. Yes, it is one down on the ground. Ghostbusters. Apparently, they say it in the game as well. Yeah, I think I remember hearing that in the game. Yeah, there's a trophy or achievement That's I it from. related to it as well. But it is there is a scene in the film where they say one down on the ground when they capture the Scolari brothers. Um, but yeah, go and watch Ghostbusters. Go and watch Ghostbusters 2. Go and play Ghostbusters, the video game. Don't watch the 2016 Ghostbusters. And go and watch Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's, that's it from me. I've got nothing else to say today <laughs> apart from... If anything else comes to my head in the next two seconds, no, no nothing is coming <laughs> to my head. So that's it. Yeah. That's I think that's show done. Unless you, no, I mean so. that's that's pretty much it from me as well. I've had fun talking about these films. It's been a nice change of pace. I think to have it a little nice. bit. Of, I mean, as much as I'm happy to talk about games all day long, uh, it's been nice to kind of mix it up and have a bit more of a chat about films, TV shows. Um, yeah, re- really enjoyed. Yeah, it. definitely has. Now, and also, you said that you've been playing some new games. So that's a teaser for next oh. week. <laughs> so there we go. What a great teaser. They're nothing um, exciting, but obviously, we'll them next week. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Um, these have been releasing on a Friday, but we're still trying to figure out sort of a schedule of when we can do them and when it's sort of easiest for me to edit and get it up online and everything. So it may change. Who knows? But it's going to be usually every Friday these will be up. And in your ears yeah. at that on a Friday or whatever you want to say there's probably some music again playing right now just going to say thank you this time actually when I searched for this theme tune it didn't actually say I needed to quote them but thank you Kamiku for the theme tune but apparently we don't have to credit you but I'm going to anyway just in case so 
that's been us. It has. On the Babblers Guild. Get out for another week. You're barred for a week. And goodbye. goodbye. See ya!